Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat the Designer. Bear on Bears fans, welcome into another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. It is a Tuesday edition. Me, Pat the Designer, and Courtney Cronin back in the building. Courtney, uh, you want to tell the people why we may look a little disheveled? So as we were about to sit down for this podcast, Danny Zetterman, the program director here at 1000, comes in and says, you guys want to be in a commercial? Because we're shooting commercials to let everybody know, as you can see behind me, we are the home of the Chicago Bears, which we have been now for a couple months. But there's going to be some commercials on TV locally, I believe on our sister station, ABC7 and in the Marquee Network letting you know how excited we are to become the home of the Chicago bears. But we were not originally part of the plans for this. And I guess they needed some extras to run the ladder drill, which we did a few times. My hamstrings are a little sore. Mine are tight. Um, I'm not going to lie. We're a little sweaty. I don't know if we smell the greatest right now, but it was really fun. And it was cool to see Jason McKee and coach McKee action. He was blowing his whistle. So I can't, I can't actually hear out of my right ear right now. So this might be, you might hear me yelling to overcompensate. Um, and that's okay, but no, it's like, I, I really am very excited to, uh, get best supporting actress one of these days for my acting in that commercial. Yeah, we got to get the IMDb credit for this. You got to get the IMDb. I mean, yes, the, the, the union, if you're out there listening, make sure that that is on our IMDb profiles by the end of today. But man, Tom Thayer can still move. Hey, I was, I'm not going to lie. He surprised me a little bit. He's surprised. Like the agility. When, when I, was I like, started, man, I really got to set my game up. When I started, you know, because I'm I'm just doing it like when he blew the whistle. I'm like, oh, I'm back playing football again. So yeah. I just started doing the regular drill, like how I would do it. And he's like right behind me, and I'm like, this guy played years in the NFL and won a Super Bowl for the Bears. <laughs> And he was telling you initially, like, hey, can you slow down? Maybe like fifty percent percent speed. And he's speeding up, and I'm the one taking up the train, and I can barely hold on because I grabbed a football because I wanted to feel like I was a real football player that in that moment. And um, you know, eyes up, kept my eyes up when McKee was yelling at us to do that. Yeah. Again, though, the whistle, like we probably could have done without the whistle. The whistle was tough. There's gonna room. be there's gonna be a limiter on this podcast for sure. Uh, the whistle could have been done in post. I'm not going to lie. We'll, we'll talk about that later. My people will call your people and we will never do that again. No, I kid. Uh, we got a great episode of the Chicago Bears podcast today. Arlington Heights seems to be a bigger deal than maybe uh, I gave it credit for yesterday on the pod. I feel like yesterday we were just talking about it as, you know, the, the Bears are having a back and forth with Arlington Heights, and this is probably going to work itself out. But real conversations happening here with Naperville. Seems like Chicago might be trying to weasel its way back into the mix, which I guess could make some Bears fans happy. So we'll jump into that on today's episode. Let's just jump in. We're in the first quarter. It's a it's a it's a drill day. OTAs are here. First quarter. First quarter. So Courtney, Arlington Heights is on hold for some tax where all of a sudden right like they're just trying to little brother the bears it kind of feels like and i think the bears kind of had to remind them that hey i know that in the past things haven't been done the perfect way but we're the chicago freaking bears Mm -hmm. you're not gonna little brother us and just like spring something up on us and we're gonna be okay with that i love how kevin warren is handling this by saying we're keeping all of our options open what is the realistic case though 
that the Chicago Bears and Arlington is on fragile eggshells right now. I think this all stems from like just to kind of rewind. So we remember the day the season started last year. It was Thursday night football, Rams and Bills. They decided to have a meeting that day out at Hersey High School to let everybody know what like the general plan is going to be. No stadium uh, plans, anything like that. Like, you know, like what's the stadium going to look like? But just this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to cost. That the Chicago Bears will privately fund all facets of stadium construction, but they need taxpayer dollars to do all of the infrastructure around it. So the roads, the sewers, the drains, everything that it takes to have a functional like city block, just to put it in like layman's terms, that would be on taxpayer dollars. The bears bought this land at Churchill from Churchill Downs Incorporated out at Arlington Park for $197.2 million. And I'm going to just reference this because this was when the, the purchase went through in February of 2022 and the, Properties original assessment was five times the 2021 tax value. So that's done by the Cook County assessor. Right. So basically it's that the Bears bought it for one thing, thought the value was one thing. And then like what the tax value on that is way more than they were expecting to pay. So like the recent settlement with Churchill Downs for 2022 was three times higher and it reflects that the property is not operational, commercially viable in its current state. So obviously that's where like, we're going to develop something here. We're going to do something. And I think that this really boils down to, they were told it was going to be valued at one thing. Now the tax value is at a completely different level. And it's more than the bears were expecting to have to pay and more than like the community was going to have to pay, be expected to have to facilitate how, how are taxpayer dollars going to have to pay for this place. Right. So then of course you go back to last Friday and you find out Kevin Warren, the president and CEO of this organization had a meeting with the mayor of Naperville to potentially explore an option for the stadium being out there. I, Kevin Warren's been through this with the Minnesota Vikings. And there's a caveat here that's different. Like one, th- a couple things that we need to keep in mind as people who are waiting to see how this is going to play out in Chicago. The site of U.S. Bank Stadium was already built on the site of the Metrodome. So there wasn't, hey, we got to build roads here, yes. and put some pipes down yes. so water can yeah, go yeah, through yeah. under the streets. Like that's a lot of work. And so I think Kevin Warren is utilizing, you know, a very good leverage play here to try to get you know, to, to, to put some heat on Arlington Heights, like what, you know, they, there's some people who want the stadium, others who obviously for a number of different reasons do not want the stadium in Arlington Heights. But the fact that the bears now have the public stance of, well, because of the way that the land was valued and the tax assessment on it, you know, that's no longer our sole focus. I'm not a betting woman, but if you were to ask me to put like a hundred dollar wager down on this thing being built in Arlington Heights, you can go ahead and, and, and mark me down for that because the stadium's going to get built in Arlington Heights. It's a matter of putting some public pressure on like, there's so much bureaucracy here. This is like way over my yeah. head as somebody who covers sports, but the politics involved from the Cook County assessor's office to, you know, locally with how, you know, t- residents in Arlington Heights, are they going to vote for this? Are they not going to vote for this? Like you're, you're dealing with people's tax dollars and how a property is valued and assessed. And when it 
becomes more than what the team thought it was going to have to pay, they're not just going to say, okay, you know, because they're not paying for all of that. Right. Like they need the tax, they need like taxpayers to help them get this entire property built and everything around it. So it's a negotiating strategy to your point about whether Chicago is going to try to get in the mix. I don't, I, I, I would, I would rather believe that Naperville would probably get the stadium <laughs> over the Chicago, over the city of Chicago. And yeah. it's not just the change in mayor that things might all of a sudden be better uh, in terms of getting that thing done. It's the smallest stadium in the NFL yes. at under like 55,000 capacity. It's not viable anymore for what they want to do. And the cost to, you know, they don't own that stadium, that stadium. They, they have a lease there. That's they the want to be able to own their own stadium yeah. Arlington's the path to do that. So I just, I know there's a lot of like stuff that's out there and it, it is a lot to sort through. The basic thing that we need to realize right now is yes, shovels are not in the ground while the grandstand has been, is in the process of being torn down at Arlington. So we're, we're getting closer to that, but there's always going to be some hiccups along the way. Good thing they hired somebody who's done this before and knows how to not just like, you know, build a team culture and all things like that, but like deal with the bureaucratic nonsense that yeah. happens from like different cities in trying to push a massive scale project through. Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I, all I can compare it to Chicago wise is when the bears did this the last time mm -hmm. and how, yeah, they were looking other places, but it kind of felt like a power play, even in that, like we're going to leave soldier field. And then they come back and they land a spaceship on top of it. Yeah. Because things got tough on the outside. Kevin Warren's like, bring on the tough. Like, that's how this felt to me. Like, I, I, I was sitting there reading through, uh, I think the Daily Herald was the first people to, to kind of report on this. And, you know, just talking about how Kevin Warren was navigating it and how he immediately came out and was like, yeah, we're looking at other places. It's not our singular focus, um, but it's still a focus. Of course. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's really just seeing the leadership that is in place and even the separation of it, right? Like I think the biggest problem that the bears always had before. And the part that I look at from Arlington that applies to the football field is we're not hearing Kevin Warren's name nearly as much as we heard Ted Phillips name interfering with football things. Ryan Poles has nothing to do with this situation. Mm -hmm. There's a real separation here and there should be, and there's clear cut roles. And, and I believe that having Kevin Warren, you know, manufacture all of the production that goes into this. Yeah. Like they needed somebody with expertise, somebody who's done this, somebody who knows how to deal with all of the facets that come with building a stadium. It's not just erecting the stadium itself and using the team's, you know, the team's budget to build the stadium. It's dealing with city officials. And that's not easy. Yeah. Like sometimes in sports, we think everything within our world is so difficult, but it's everybody outside of that. It says, we don't give a damn what you guys have to do. Like this is affecting like, you know, society, Real people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and societal issues. So I, I just don't think there's anybody better to navigate this than Kevin Warren. And I would imagine that he came into this knowing there are going to be bumps in the road because yeah. it's a very diff. It's different in the sense that very different in the sense that he's not just building it, getting a stadium built on the site of a former stadium. This is a brand new venture, which yeah. requires a lot of hurdles that this team has to cross before they can even put shovels in the ground. Yeah, I know. I, I think about it from the construction standpoint, because that's what I did before, you know, getting this fine job here. Shout out to y'all. Uh, and I mean, it is like you're talking about 
years of mm-hmm. going back and forth on blueprints, blueprints being wrong, um, having to go back to the city. The city say, we can't do it that yeah. way. Why can't you do it that way? This is how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't do it that way. There's so much that goes into just the planning portion. And I think back to what he said when he got hired here. The McCaskies are willing to plan this out. And he is here and and to make this plan and then make the plan work. And it feels like that is what's happening. That was not just, you know, something to spew out or something to say to make the fans feel good. He had a plan in place. The plan seems like it had a slight shift in it. Okay, guess what? There's another plan in place. We thought I thought this about AK when he first got here, and I hope I get proven right. Uh, we said he was Batman. He's got a contingency plan to his contingency plan to his contingency plan. <laughs> now, this season, that don't feel the same. But with Kevin Warren, it kind of feels like that's the path he's leading us down. Yeah, and he he's really smart by saying, okay, this is no longer our singular focus because that puts pressure on other cities. Hey, like if you can provide the Bears something better, yeah. yes, they did buy that land for $197.2 <laughs> million. Dollars. It can be like, sold. It can be sold. <laughs> They're not going to like all of a sudden like buy something else and then develop that into the world's greatest shopping yeah. mall. It's not going to happen, but I... Every time I get asked, the cool though. I mean, (laughs) put like I don't know. You could put like an actual like racetrack. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Maybe they can move the NASCAR race from the city out there. I'm sure a lot of people in this city would be uh, appreciative of not having traffic uh, and streets shut down for three weeks. But every time someone asks me, "When's the stadium going to get built? Can you put a timeline on when you think the Bears are going to be moving to Arlington Heights?" I'm like, let's hear from Kevin Warren and the team first about getting all of the stuff that's been talked about and why the whole Naperville thing's a conversation in the first place. Let's get that stuff sorted out first to know, Hey, here's the target date. And Oh, by the way, everything has to be torn down. The land has to be cleared. I don't know what the exact like construction terms are, but like you have to get it ready in order to build the stadium. Like, and that takes a long time. So we don't really have a timeline. I know that at the time of the meeting last year at Hersey High School, George McCaskey said this is a 10-year venture. Yeah. So 10 years plus 2022 is, two, is 2032. Do I think that the Bears want to be playing there before 2032? Absolutely. They'd have to sign another lease at Soldier Field yeah. or elsewhere to keep playing um, if their stadium isn't built. But we don't know the exact timeline because there's as evidence and we're seeing it in real time there's so many other issues that they're having to to parse through right now to get like this approved for any sort of construction because it's not just the stadium it's everything around the stadium yeah and and that's that's the thing they're they're trying to build i the one thing that i hope for and i've hoped this for a long time is that there's that one old couple that holds out so there's just like this entire infrastructure all the way around. And there's just there's one like very one regular house. house. I love cities that have that. I'm not going to lie. I don't know why it's the dumbest thing in the world, but I've seen that so many times where it's like, there's a highway that runs like right behind mm-hmm. somebody's house. That's what I've always, I'm like, doesn't eminent domain. Like I thought I learned about that in like fifth grade that like the government <laughs> can basically like be like, well, sorry, you won't sell your land. We're just going to plow right through it. <laughs> not saying I want that to happen to anybody's house, but I thought that was a rule for a reason, but I promise the next podcast I will come and I will be prepared on what eminent, how we can like eminent domain this thing and how the bears can do it along with, I mean, it's really the city, It's the government of yeah. uh, the city of Arlington Heights. Yeah. Like they're the ones standing in the way right now. It's not like any certain person, one no. person, not yet. At least this isn't a Wrigleyville situation yet. Yes. There's not a holdout on homes. There's mm-hmm. not, a, I think people just are like, 
They don't want to pay paying a ton of money in taxes to have a stadium built because of all the stuff that they'd be responsible tax wise. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Just for the people at home, because I know that there's a section that wants to know this. If you're putting a percentage chance on Chicago, building that nice stadium for the Bears and getting back into this, where are you sitting at? Zero. Oh, they're done. Chicago's done. I don't see politically how things have would have changed that much from when Lori Lightfoot was the mayor here to yeah. when to Brandon Johnson. Right. I don't think that the city has the capability and the resources to to do what the Bears have wanted. Because how many times have we done this with Soldier Field? Like long before yeah. even like, you know, they were moving to Gary at one point. Remember that? I do. Like I just don't see with I don't I, I just think that you see this in a lot of cities. It's Big cities make it really difficult to play there. Yep. There's a reason that the Giants and the Jets do not play in the state where their namesake is. There's a reason that the San Francisco 49ers play in Santa Clara. Like, I just don't see how after all of the, like, you know, how much bad blood existed between the Bears and, and the city of Chicago. And yes, a lot of that had to do with the former mayor and how she approached the whole situation when the yeah. Bears tried. I just think that that bridge is is no longer standing. That one's burned. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, it's it's tough because there is. I guess there is something cool about saying that all of our teams play in the city. Yeah, of course. And, but and at I the end of the day, the nostalgia of that too. I would like to not have to walk a mile and a half and and be sweating like we are on the pod just to go watch a Bears yeah. game. The infrastructure <laughs> there we know is very limited because of the museum campus, yeah. because of you know the size of the stadium as is. I it would probably be, and this is just me guessing, it'd probably be way more expensive to try to resurrect what they had there, build something completely different, have the Bears go play elsewhere for a certain number of years, only to, you know, come back. And it's a product that's still probably, just because of the size of where they, it won't be one of the biggest stadiums in the NFL. They can't. You're going to add, their footprint's too small. You're going to put the 20,000 seats you took out back in. That's all that that's all that it's gonna do. It, it would put the twenty thousand seats you took out back in. Second quarter. Let's keep it moving along. I mean, Arlington's an interesting situation. Hopefully it does get resolved at some point, but I think there's some much more interesting situations going around the football um world right now because another player gets caught gambling, Courtney, as the second quarter is here. Like we're up to now six players yeah. getting caught for gambling. Isaiah Rogers, the latest to be caught. I, I believe it, it's a $25 bet that essentially seems to me, right? Like this guy might've thrown away. I mean, he's a sixth round pick. Mm-hmm. He's not right. Like the top of the top, like you might've just thrown away your NFL career yeah. for 25 bucks on a parlay. Mm-hmm. How far is this going to go? How deep is this going to go? It seems like the NFL is saying, no, we've got some names on this list. I We're just working our way through it. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. And it's just, I mean, when you see those six names, like none of those names outside of Jamison Williams, the yeah. casual NFL fans going to know. And he was a rookie yeah. when this happened. So I, it's tough because 
it seems hypocritical on the side of the NFL where you've got sports books being yep. built in stadiums where the NFL partners with DraftKings yep. or whatever other sports book. I mean, our official sports book partner at ESPN is Caesars. Um, I, I know it's different, different here at ESPN 1000, but nationally we like, whenever I have to like look up lines for games or write them into like any sort of fantasy article, anything, it's always using Caesar sports book. And I just, we can't expect this not to happen when it is so rampant and widespread in the NFL to say it's okay to bet on the NFL and we've got, we'll provide you sports books in our stadiums and then turn around and say to players, you can't bet on anything. And here's, here's the thing that drives me nuts about this. So when that first one came out in April and we find out, I think it was the five players mm-hmm. include the four wash the four uh, Detroit, Detroit Lions Lion players and, and one Washington, Washington player, yeah. like, there's the rule for players that you are not allowed to bet when you are either in the team's facility or anything that they could deem like team proper team property. And I, and I'm not finding the right phrase for that, but like if you're in a team hotel the night before a road game, that technically would be considered under like the team's you know, jurisdiction. Yes. So there's one rule that makes complete sense. And I think it's a zero tolerance thing. Do not bet on the NFL. Don't be an asshole. Yeah. Like that's just, I mean, I'm sorry to be like, no, don't bet on your own sport. Yeah. That's common sense, Pat. Yeah. But if you're betting on college football, if you're betting on literally anything else, it is hypocritical because the NFL is telling you, you can't do it on anything like that might be within the facility, like, or anything that's like under their jurisdiction. I wish we knew where these things, like how they could prove that because that to me is a little big brother feeling. And unless they can tell based on your IP address, if you're on the team's Wi-Fi, like I just, I find that really bizarre and the punishments for these things, I feel like this is going to become, I mean, there, there is stuff in the CBA about like what the punishments are, but like for a $25 bet, it's not like someone's throwing the game point shaving. Um, you know, that it, the crimes, crime, I'll use that word lightly, the crimes are different. And yeah. it's it's also very hypocritical that if you are NFL personnel, so if I'm a scout for a team, I can't bet on anything. Not not just the NFL, my own sport that I'm a scout for, or you know anybody working in a front office or the business side of a team. You can't bet on college basketball. You can't bet on golf. You can't bet on anything other than like, there's very specific language about this in the CBA that any NFL per team personnel, like it has to be limited to like a horse racing track, right? Like, or being in a casino playing like a slot machine or something. There's no uniformity to it. And this is, a this is the next big thing. The NFL has to face head on because it's not going away. Sports wagering is a built multi-billion dollar. Yeah, it's industry. a part of sports. Now. It, it's, we you, ha- you open the door and now you got to deal with it. We have, I'm, I know for Bulls games, um, they have an in-game yeah. sideline reporter who does like in-game betting, like, par- like, you know, updating you on lines by each quarter. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know if that will extend to the NFL. Like, I mean, they certainly have like all the stuff pre and post, you know, pre-game about the lines, like, you know, point spreads, uh, pr- player prop bets, like stuff that you can do for parlays. Well, they do the one now, right? It pops up right in the middle of the game with like, we've seen it in the finals with Chuck. Yeah, you know, if you and for sure, way, they said Chuck's doing really well. They said Chuck was on a six-game losing streak, but before that, he was like fifteen and oh. Wow, no, <laughs> so. I mean it's it's a part of broadcast. Yeah, it's a part of all of those things, and I just think that the NFL is short-sighted to think it's just going to stop with these six because 
again, if you bet on your own sport, you're asked, you're getting what you deserve. Right. That is, that is rule number one. But I think just from the things that we've been reading about, um, and hearing from players, albeit anonymous, anonymously, a lot of players are not going to come out and publicly speak about this, but there really isn't a whole ton of education on it from the team perspective. Like there doesn't seem to be that much of an emphasis on guys. This is really serious. Like you could get punished. You could lose games. You could lose game checks. Like, and I just believe the NFL, like put the stance out there without actually having the education to tell guys what's okay. What's not okay. I think here's the tough part for me, right? I, I get it from the standpoint of um, the, the NFL being hypocritical. I'm also not shocked that the NFL is hypocritical. Um, but I also look at this from the standpoint of this is not something new. No. This is not the first time players have been suspended for gambling on a sport. This is not the first time. Heck, Pete Rose still isn't in the Hall of Fame. And literally at this point, everybody's like, just put him in. I know. Like, like yeah. everybody else is just like, just put him in. Like, that was an issue. 30 years ago? I mean, 30 plus? more than that, yeah. right? When's Pete Rose? Uh, 40? Well, Pete did bring it. <laughs> Pete kind of shot himself in the foot again by like them finding another book. But I, I think the, the thing is for me is I put the onus on the players in the case of you can't tell me you're surprised that the NFL has a problem with you gambling. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen this before. This is not new. Now, what I do look at is, okay, if they're gambling on baseball, if they're gambling on hockey, if they're gambling on the Stanley Cup finals, what the heck does that have to do with them trying to throw games? You can't bring that same argument into it. But, I mean, listen, they gave Ridley a year. What is this going to be at this point? What are we heading towards? Are we heading towards these punishments are going to get more and more severe even though – if they find you betting on your own team and betting on games like Calvin Ridley was like, yes, it's only going to get more severe. And I, you know, there's the argument that players like, how could you like be so like, how could you not like, why wouldn't you just do like none of this when you saw what happened to Calvin Ridley? Well, you know, I know in the case of Jamison Williams, those are college games he was betting on. So I think guys have the common sense to know you cannot bet on the NFL, whether it's your team, whether it's another team that infects the integrity of the game. No one's arguing that it's just, it's the other stuff. And it's effectively like, I think that that's, that's kind of get it like teetering the line of unfair to players when you do allow them to do it. It's just now you want to control the manner in which they're doing it and where they're doing it. Like, cause again, like a lot of the details are really murky about how they found out about some of these players, like in, in getting suspended for gambling. And again, I feel like it's tip of the iceberg because you know, that guys are doing this, yeah. you know, that guys have DraftKings and everything else, um, you know, points, bet, all of these different sports books on their phones and it's it's a matter of like where they're placing the bet, how they're doing it, what they're betting on. And I don't know if you if there's a I don't know if you can really like have your hand on everything if you're the NFL to be aware and to know what everybody's spending their money on that truly, unless it's betting on the NFL, it's their prerogative. There are rules in place that allow players to do that. Yeah. I it's so tough because there's also the part of me that's like 
the street sense in me is like, why, why y'all ain't just asking somebody else that you know to do this? Like, Don't why can't you just like, that. hey, cuz, I need you to put a $20 parlay down for me and I'll break you off a piece and we all going to be good yeah. and nobody's going to get caught up. But I think at the end of the day, here, here's my thing. Like, you know, NFL's big brother. Mm-hmm. This is, again, I, I think the hard part for me I don't want to say to feel sympathy because like Isaiah Rogers. Okay. Right. And he, he put a quote out and and he takes onus on this situation. He says, addressing the current reports, I want to take full responsibility for my actions. I know I have made mistakes. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to repair the situation. Last thing I ever wanted to do was be a distraction to the Colts organization, coaches, teammates. I've let people down that care about me, made an error in judgment. Going to work hard to make sure that those mistakes are rectified through this process. It's an honor to play in the NFL. I have never taken that lightly. I'm very sorry for all of this. I don't think that guys are sitting here like I'm looking to throw my career away Mm -hmm. just so that I can cure this itch to gamble. But I do think that there is a part of this where I look at the players and say, why are you even dabbling in this when you know it's so new? Yeah. When you know the caution on it. Of course, but if it if it's allowed, if there's certain things of this that are allowed, yeah. players have every right, just like you and I do, to be able to, depending upon where it's legal. Obviously, some state it's not. We don't have unified fifty state gambling yeah, rules, yeah, yeah. but it's. But I think then the question is, why is the next step to educate yourself to protect yourself? I don't disagree that's, with that. No, I mean you part. do. You, know you I mean? do have to have some accountability and put the onus on yeah. yourself to do that. But like the teams need to let you know down, like literally draw it out for me. What is okay? What is not okay? Like just give me the guidelines and do it during the off season where they have time to like have this sort of classroom education on this stuff. Just knowing because it's not going away and it could become a very serious problem. Like two of those players, um, I know I think it's Quintez Cephas and CJ Moore. Mm -hmm. Correct me at one point if I'm wrong on Cephas. I just know his name was in this. They're suspended for the whole year. Like the indefinitely, I believe so. Yeah. And you could you could be in a situation where you might not get to play again because if you're a fringe, if you're a special, which CJ Moore was, I covered him in high school, like down in Bassfield, Mississippi. So like when I saw that, I was like, damn, he was just starting to stick on the roster. He was with the Texans. Now he was with the yeah. with the Houston, uh, excuse me, with the Detroit Lions. I'm like, okay, he's, he's cool. Like he's got a nice role, and then you throw it away for a gamble. And I believe that those were the two who were betting on the NFL, which is just you cannot do that. Yeah, but. It's just it's just tough because the 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 league has a responsibility to educate players. The players also have the educa- have the ability and the the responsibility to educate themselves. Someone's got to guide them though to what they need to be reading about, to what they need to be learning about in order to get educated. Honestly, so this doesn't we, happen. Are we a hundred percent sure the NFL hasn't put that out and maybe people aren't reading it though? I mean, it's in the CBA. So the CBA that was ratified in 2020, 2020, those have like all the updated rules, but that, and like, that's what they're going on. How players are consuming that though. Like, are there symposiums on this? Like what does the classroom education look like? I think that's my issue with it though. Right. It's like, these are your rules that your union agreed on. I've been a part of a union. I'm back in a union Mm -hmm. now. When they send me that little pamphlet of do's and don'ts. Got to read it. I'm looking through it because if I do a don't and they're like, well, it's right here in black and white. I don't have a leg to stand on that situation. So I get it from the sense of like the the guys that are betting on other sports. I agree with you. It's 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 stupid to have these holds on things like that because 
I guess maybe there's some argument of like, okay, but what if he's friends with that person? He tells him take a die or what? It, like, I guess maybe you can bring that argument in. And we have seen that in sports like boxing, different things like mm-hmm. that. But like that one, I can almost deal with anything NFL. I just, I, I have a hard time feeling sympathy for those players. Cause it's like, and no, the they, Detroit ones, they're like, they're just in the locker room. Like, yeah, you, you putting that parlay down. Next week, you like, just you know not to bet on your own sport. Yeah, it's common sense yeah. like that one. But the other stuff about like the we're getting down into like the nitty gritty like semantics. Where was this bet being placed? Yeah. Like that's that's what I think the NFL's like real big issue is going to be because they're going to find so many more of these that they're well, going to have to investigate. My question is, who's going to be the big name? There's yeah. a big no. name. There's no way it's happening. Everywhere. There's not a Michael Jordan sure. in this situation. There's no way. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with that guy? Right. When you come to a whoever the big name quarterback is or whoever the number one wide receiver is number one defensive end. Are you going to suspend that guy for a year? Are you going to, you know, like I mean, Calvin, as good Calvin as Calvin Ridley, Ridley was, was, he was a considerable name. Yeah, but he's coming off. I know he's coming off. I know, I know. <laughs> and he he had some good seasons. I don't know if you can't remember if he was coming off injury or not. He was like, coming off an injury. He was gambling while he was hurt. Yes, and that yeah, that's right. No, no, it wasn't. Uh, it was um wasn't injury. It was a uh, mental health break. He was dealing th- with some things. I think that was all. Yeah, it was all tied into all tied it. into one. But yeah. like he was a considerable name. Yes. Like that was, you know, the biggest name. I mean, these other guys, obviously a first round pick doing it, like a guy who's still very much like in like the very <laughs> beginning stages of his career, he will miss, I think 17 games yeah. by the time we see him out on the field this year because of the ACL tear and like what that limited him to as a rookie. Like that's not, it's just it's substantial. Yeah. And it's unintelligent to me in, in certain senses. I, I think, the, like I said, the other ones are a little different, but let's keep it moving along. Let's talk about something a little more exciting. There's no, uh, by the way, any fear of any bears on this? I guess we should ask that on a bears podcast. You, you don't know because no one's ever going to be publicly advertising it, yeah. but I would be shocked if it's not going on in every locker room. And it's the easiest way to put it. Just not you, Justin. Just not you. <laughs> Out of everybody, just not you. Uh, let's keep this thing pushing along. No, let's get into. We, we're just gonna go into the, the. Normally we do a halftime, but you're a little tight on time today, mm-hmm. so that's all good. We're gonna go into the third quarter on this one. Third quarter. Halftime coming Thursday. Don't y'all worry about it, because Dominique Robinson is excited here. Dominique Robinson said he's gonna be a monster this year because he's working with. Colts leader in sacks, Robert Mathis, him and Travis Gibson have been working together. He's talking about having a breakout season. When we watched Dominique Robinson, he has all the talent. I think that he was the guy that it was like, okay, like you have literally all the skill. You are the right. Like wasn't that Shea McClellan and uh, who was the dude for the Bears that could jump out of a swimming pool? Right, Like we've had the athletes, but will he be able to have that breakout season do you like that he's at least working with Robert Mathis? For Mathis-Ones? sure, to work with somebody like that and you know to seek out veterans who have gone through what Dominique Robinson has gone through and gotten to you know the peak of you know being a pass rusher in the NFL. It's it's always good when you hear about what guys are doing in the offseason. And Robinson looks bigger. Um, you got to remember this guy's a converted quarterback to wide receiver to wasn't he a tight end de- defensive end? I know I know he was a wide receiver yeah. at Miami, and it's 
it's not an easy transition. I just remember thinking, how did you do all that in a matter of a couple of years? And like, he looks, he looked like a converted defensive end last year. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything like I me. Mean, he's, he's, he's tall. I believe he's around like six, four, six, five. Yeah. And he just looked very lean for what you expect a dominant pass rusher to be. And he was a rookie. Like he's drafted in the fifth round drafted on potential. So what they see for him going forward. And with that said, like think about all the different ways that they utilized him. There was some like some pass rushing downs where he was on the inside last year. Yeah. He can do a lot and he might have to do a lot because as we just saw yesterday, Leonard Floyd, another name that you can check off the list, like not coming to Chicago next season. And there are still some other names out there. I know unique and Gakwe is still one of the big ones, but I, they might have to go into this season more reliant upon the guys that they have up front currently at the edge position than thinking some magical, like, you know, change of fate's going to happen. So, you know, for Robinson and for, for Travis Gibson, I mean, obviously Gibson's in a contract year. I know people don't really like lump him in with all the group of the 2020 kids because he was a fifth round pick, but I, you know, if they can, if those two can can find more success and, and maybe the maybe the emphasis that they put on the edge on the on the pass rushers that they have in the interior, like building I asked Alan Robinson about this, like building their defensive line from the inside out. Alan that's Williams. Alan Williams. I say Alan Robinson, Alan Robinson as in like the former wide receiver. <laughs> wow. Okay. I was like, what's he doing out there? <laughs> I don't actually do do we know where he went after he's in he's, uh, he's not still with the Rams. No, is he? he's in Detroit. Where did Alan Robinson go? I feel like Allen Robinson went to Detroit. Did he? I've, so we're going to have some Allen Robinson revenge games coming see, up? Let me see. Let me see. Allen Robinson, the second. It, Steelers, my bad. He's at the Steelers. Steelers. Okay. He's with the Steelers. A little switcheroo, him and Chase Claypool. No, not at all. <laughs> um, but Hopefully not the same guy. Allen <laughs> Williams actually. last week when I was asking him about like how like this it just it feels different the way that they're trying to build up front and very noticeably they were lacking on the interior but maybe that ends up working in their favor where you don't have to have the premier edge rusher who's taking on double teams is getting chipped by tight ends all the time and maybe that'll free them up to to create more pressure off the edge in ways that they weren't able to last year because they've got bodies they've got depth they've got the numbers on the inside and in who knows? Maybe, maybe if they're not going to go the route of trying to sign anybody, which I still think it's still too early to like r- write that off completely, yeah. then maybe we're looking at a different look of this defensive line that might not be orthodox to some. But you know, if you've got Dominique Robinson working in the off season with Robert Mathis and having a chance to have him make this jump in year two, where his body looks and feels different, as does his edge rushing prowess, that'll be potentially really good for the Bears. I think the thing that excited me about him last year was now granted it was very early. I believe it was the first game of the season, right? Like he's the only he's the only sack that Trent Williams allowed last year and it was because he was able to pick up on something Mm -hmm. technique wise that Trent was able to do. The fact that he was able to and I think a couple of times last year, right? Like you could see different things that he was able to pick up on where he could affect the game. The, the the technique on his part just wasn't there yet, right? Sure. The fact that I, I lump him in very much like how Jack Sanborn was. The guy that's like he sees the game a little bit different because he's mm-hmm. seeing the game maybe even from the offensive point of view, being For a quarterback, sure. being a wide receiver. I think that those things really 
you know, to me, they, they stand out to him and, and really help him out. And hopefully, right, like working with Robert Mathis is a thing that's going to give him the technique. Yeah, I was going to try to pull up a stat on that. But I do think that he ended up like last year, what he had to do, like to, you know, play the position in a very raw manner, like he learned a lot and he had to learn it on the fly as well. Like that's with what not I, a lot of help. <laughs> once Robert Quinn was gone. And like, even then it's not like Robert Quinn had a very productive season, like for the first, you know, six, seven games, however long he was here, yeah. but he still had that veteran presence like to, that he provided the rest of the locker room and that position room guys. I mean, that that's a really tough task to ask a rookie to navigate. And obviously Travis Gibson was, so young still and like then being like all right you're like this you're starting pass rusher after this defense like the defensive line just got completely annihilated by like the the cuts that happened and everybody walking in free agency that's a lot to ask on guys who took on roles that they definitely were not ready for yeah no 100 i mean that it's this season is going to be very it's weird because it's just like all we keep hearing about is like the optimism around it. and i'm like i know it's early but this is a lot of optimism now you're making me nervous like and, and that's that's okay. I think that's normal just because there's there's still holes that people see and you yeah. wonder, hey, Is can, can, really can you hole? buy into what they what they're selling you on? No, we think it'll be okay. We think guys are getting better because you're just not going to see that until training camp. And that's a long ways away. But there, we do know that there are other areas that have made marked improvements, of course, at the linebacker spot yeah. and at cornerback, you know, we know that Jalen Johnson said he'll be at OTAs tomorrow. So, okay, pencil him in. Obviously, as a starter, we never expected anything different. And you've got, you know, Kyler Gordon focusing on the slot. Eddie Jackson, assuming he's, I mean, I know he's been working out and rehabbing, but like Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, and then at the other side at corner, your second round pick and Tyreek Stevenson, like marked improvement at some of the really important positions. It's just the pass rush, which, you know, as of right now, the jury's out. And if Dominique Robinson can make that jump, then that'll tell you how good the coaching has been from Travis Smith to Alan Williams to, to Matt Eberflus to get him in a spot where he's, Hey, like, okay, they hit on a really good draft pick. I'll feel a lot better about the coaching. I'm not going to lie. Cause Alan Williams to me is still a big question mark. I understand he didn't have the players last year. And now I want to see, okay, you have better players for Sure. sure. What's the step that you're going to take? Because all those guys are first-year guys. Now, coming into second year, being second-year guys. So, it'll be interesting to see. Let's close it out with this one. Let's quick for fourth quarter here. Fourth quarter. EO came up with a very interesting topic. It's definitely the off-season, guys. It is the off-season for sure. He said to compare Justin Fields' game to anybody else that is not a quarterback in any other field. So basically a person who has shown us flashes, but maybe hasn't shown us the whole thing. Let us know how you guys feel in the comments. Drop the best name that you got. We'll give a shout out to the person who drops the best name on the pod. Courtney, who are you thinking? All right. So I cheated and I looked up like, NFL quarterbacks as superheroes. I was Googling a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm like, I couldn't think of anybody off the top of my head. And, and I'm not like the biggest movie goer. Yeah. So like, I don't, anytime you like ask me like, who's your favorite superhero? Cause that's, we, I, I know we've seen like those sorts of articles written about quarterbacks, I'm not a DC person, I'm not a Marvel person. I'm like, I just, I'm sorry. Like I just, I can't get into it, but there was a star Wars comparison that had every NFL quarterback. And I'm going to pull his up because I need you to tell me if this is accurate. Um, 
because I've, I've seen a couple Star Wars movies. They're not like, it's not completely in my wheelhouse, but I do believe I know what a Millennium Falcon is. And that's what this Yahoo article compared Justin Fields to. Speed. That hurts. Well, isn't a Millennium Falcon like the like big spaceship looking thing that goes through yes. like the-, the Millennium Falcon is um, Han Solo ship, basically. And the Millennium Falcon breaks down a lot. But okay, it works when you need it to, and it always gets the job done. So it's like it. I kind of feel good about that, but also like, dang, like that's a tough one. All right. So like the way I was trying to find, it, I can't find it right now. But like I know that they said, you know, the the speed element is, is there. Fast. Check the box. It's just the fastest fields. ship. Yep. Um, that like in the accuracy is a little maybe that's when you're referring to it breaks yeah. down a little every bit, now the and then it misfires for sure you know 58 percent whatever is rookie year and then si- just under 61 percent uh completion percentage last year um I, i'm not the worst person to ask about this because i was trying to find like all right superhero because i know that like you know some a superhero puts everything on his shoulders yeah. and has to like lift whatever the the challenge of the movie is like or whatever he's trying to defeat and the kryptonite from Justin Fields can be some slower decision making the ac- you know the accuracy like the timing on his reads like but i don't know who that is like i don't know like what superhero like i would say i would say right for me i went music so i'm like in terms of hip hop okay who is the person that like maybe in the beginning wasn't the the focal point but kind of like was carrying their team through i went like oh two wayne back in the day like lil wayne back in the day like hot boys wayne hot boys wayne where it was like okay we kind of paying attention to everybody we, else but who's yeah. that dude in the back that keeps finishing all the songs like mm-hmm. Like that's that's kind of where I went Ooh, with that. I like this one it's and, better than my stupid Star Wars. One. And I, I feel like I feel like right like Wayne like all those Hot Boys tracks like I remember all the Wayne verses off of them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Justin Fields has a Wayne trajectory where like you know best becomes rapper the life. best rapper. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> best football player. But if you got bars, Justin, drop them. But I just feel like right like that's kind of how I see Justin right now. Where like. They were just like throwing Lil Wayne on anything, but he was like always making his presence yeah. known. But maybe he wasn't a focal point at the end of the day. Okay, well then now you're making me think of like early Kanye when he was a producer. Oh, that's not kept, bad. And he kept trying and trying and trying. But like, think about all the people whose careers he helped. Like yeah, everybody from Jay Z to um, what's Common early on. Yep, he wrote. He yep. wrote some. He made a lot jumped of beats. On for- Lupe's mm-hmm. jumped on. Yeah. That's not a bad one, man. And I'm trying to think of like, cause everybody's, yeah. everybody's sitting here just like, these guys are old. Like, <laughs> Yes. Shut up. It was good music. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a modern rapper. Is it, he's a little baby. I'm not, a, I'm not a big little baby albums person. So maybe a little baby. I love every little baby feature. I just don't. Uh, yeah. I like the features, but like seeing a whole, like listening to a whole song. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not I mean, a little baby albums right guy. So I mean I think maybe right even right now maybe Wayne or maybe Justin is uh is a little baby where like every time he's on a track that somebody else's track mm-hmm. I'm like oh this is a banger but then like when I get a whole album of it I'm like I'm not ready for that sure yeah maybe we're just not ready for Justin right now. <laughs> I I think that's the the flashes element yeah. whether it's like you know whether it's music whether it's like a best supporting character sort of thing if you're looking at like movies or a TV show like we 
haven't seen the full like the true full menu of him yet what yeah. we have seen has been you know an incomplete grade by and large because it's not just all on him it's everything else that's around him so when you get the best justin fields you're like yeah i want more of that yeah, yeah, and yeah. i and i like the, i like the little wayne reference because i just remember like you know and then he kept dropping all the carters all the mixtapes that i used to listen to in high school and you're like i want more yep. i want more i want to listen to more and then you got the full menu and it ends up being like carter three you're like wow this is his best album yeah. and you know debating the carters and our list of I, i've gone through this a lot of times like i will come maybe that can be our halftime on thursday coming like <laughs> listening to them like one through five like or not necessarily like in that order but like the best ones but we're waiting yeah. for him to put out if we're gonna go the music route like how long is it going to take Justin Fields to put out his EP? To get to the Carter Three. Mm -hmm. How long is it going to take him to get to the Carter Three? That's a good. That's a good topic. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll go down that rabbit hole all day. Uh, I'm. I'm glad, Courtney. Are you a Wayne head out here? You? No, I mean I grew up on that, and I grew up on like <laughs> remember like well LimeWire and Kazan. Of course, like, yes. Those mixtapes. We all like, made our sorry for very the wait. Sick. Like definitely like ruined my mom's computer. Yeah, like no, all no. of those. No ceilings for mine. Yeah, no ceilings. Definitely. Uh, we had to buy a new computer, <laughs> but I did have the album. I did have the album. Probably took two days to download. But. <laughs> it did on that <laughs> dial up, but I did have the album. Uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in for another episode. Make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. The off season is still here, as you can tell, but. We're having a lot of fun out here. Uh, make sure you leave a five-star review on the podcast side. And if you're listening on the ESPN 1000 app, one love to you. Appreciate you guys for showing love as always. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago, for Bath the Designer and Courtney Cronin. Bear down. Peace. <laughs>